Hello, welcome to Vet Talk, the veterinary podcast. I'm Dr. Nathan. Thanks for listening. This is an informational podcast, and we hope you find it a valuable tool to help you understand veterinary medicine and how to better care for your animals. If you want to contact us, please reach out to theveterinarypodcast at gmail.com. You can find a complete list of the podcast episodes on SoundCloud or by going to lickingvalleyvet.com and finding the education page. While you are there, take a look at our blog section for more helpful information. You can also follow Licking Valley Veterinary Hospital's Facebook page if you want regular updates on released podcasts, blogs, and videos. If you find this information helpful, please feel free to make a donation to the continuation of this content. There is a link to do this on the webpage under the podcast list. As always, thanks for listening, and I hope this information is helpful to you. Today we are going to take a break from the cattle series we are in the middle of and talk about something that is affecting us all. COVID-19. This has united the world in a most basic way. It's reminded us we are all human. Our journey today is going to go through a lot, but I have a feeling a lot of you might have some time on your hands. Also, things are changing quickly as I make this podcast. I have seen facts and statistics change as I am in the recording process. So I apologize if I'm behind on certain things. I encourage everyone to talk to your local health officials if you have questions. Look to people who are getting the facts and have the knowledge to assimilate those facts and make accurate recommendations on how to proceed. Remember, Facebook and YouTube are good for a laugh and relieving stress, but not as good for life-saving advice. And as someone who is still working, I would like to say I appreciate everyone being as safe and responsible as possible. I'm considered an essential employee. Your pet's health is important, and keeping the food supply safe is important. But first off, hats off to all the human doctors and nurses and professionals dealing with the people who are infected with this disease. Sadly, the time for them to shine and show how wonderful they are is when other people are hurting. So keep strong, medical professionals. For me, this is weird. Everyone seems to be home and has free time to do nothing. I'm running around trying to keep animals healthy while not being able to go anywhere after work to relax. People are also able to spend less money while vendors and my staff still all want to be paid. With the financial hardship of clients and many clients being responsible and staying home, my number of appointments have dropped, which means it makes it harder to meet the needs of staff and clients. My staff has been great through all the adaptations we have been making to get through COVID-19. It's fantastic to have hard-working employees. And it's great that many of our clients have said they aren't coming in because they have a cough. It's probably seasonal allergies, but they don't want to risk our safety. And I appreciate that, as does my staff. And the truly sick animals that will be seen because I don't have to shut down because I get sick with the COVID. Life is frustrating. On one day, I saw one-third of my appointments canceled due to the disease, while I watch a president say everything is fine. Every person who was sick and canceled an appointment, I silently thanked, 
because even though my staff were worried that their paychecks could be affected, I knew those people cared about our business and were helping us to be able to care for them in the future. It's been more frustrating dealing with people who believe the disease is a joke, wanting to punch them in the face and tell them that the people who have died in Italy and China and here in Kentucky like to disagree with them. Also, if I get infected, my clinic would shut down, and with that, the ability to serve my clients and patients. So going through my head is what if a client who thinks this is a joke infects me and then somehow it gets to my mother or my father who are both over 60. It's as stressful for me as it is for those who are locked up and just watching this play out waiting while they're at home. My friends in quarantine keep trying to get me to hang out with them online because they are going stir crazy. My working friends sarcastically joke we want the break of a quarantine. It's just really because we are as stressed as everyone else and scared what will happen to our family and friends and lives and businesses. So we're all in this together and we will come through it. Continue to be kind. Continue being creative. With your time, write to your legislators to help them realize what you are going through and that we need leaders now, not politicians. And while you're sitting around looking for some information, here is some perspective for you. Coronavirus has been around for a long time. COVID-19 is a rather new mutation, which is why it's causing problems, because it's novel, and we haven't had time to figure out how to fight against it. So let's take a look at some of the coronas we know so we can start grasping the situation. First, feline coronavirus. Feline coronavirus occurs worldwide in cats. 60 to 75% of cats probably have this virus. It's endemic, which means it's everywhere. It's a gastroenteritis virus, though can affect other organs, the lungs being one of those organs on the list. Mainly, it kills cats' intestinal cells and gives the cats diarrhea, which can last for a week or months. This is how it spreads to other cats, by feces. I can't say I worry about this virus much in cats. Cats have it and they move on with life. The cats with diarrhea for months is pretty annoying to the owner, but the cats seem fine. There is a problem with this virus. It can mutate and 5% of those 75% of cats will develop FIP, feline infectious peritonitis. This is a bad thing. It kills cats. If you research it more, you will hear that it shows two forms in cats a wet form and a dry form. The wet form is the more drastically and easily observable form. The cats get a gigantic belly because of fluid building up in the abdomen. The dry form is more elusive with much more vague symptoms like weight loss, fever, lethargy, and loss of appetite. And guess what? It's hard to diagnose. There are other things that can cause a big belly in a cat. We can detect the coronavirus, which causes FIP, but we can't detect the variation specifically that causes FIP. So, all my FIP diagnoses have been clinical signs with a positive coronavirus test. This is not what us doctors call a firm diagnosis. It gives answers to cases that aren't getting better. But I stress, just because your cat has a positive coronavirus test does not mean the cat is going to develop FIP. It's just if there's no coronavirus, the cat doesn't have FIP. 
So I only test cats for coronavirus that are showing signs that make me concerned for FIP. And it's really scary because if the cat develops FIP, it's going to die. And excluding one vaccine, which is very debatable if it even works, and not recommended by me to be administered, there's no way to prevent this virus other than keeping cats away from other cats' poop. But what should we learn from this? I've seen many cases of FIP, or I think they are FIP because they have a positive coronavirus test and are exhibiting signs, but no person has gotten FIP. Feline coronavirus is not transmissible to people. So rest assured, you can still snuggle with your little kitty cat at night and not get feline coronavirus. On to man's best friend. <laughs> Apparently dogs have a coronavirus too. At the beginning of the pandemic, I was literally listing animals in my head that could get coronavirus, and dogs slipped my mind because it's that unimportant to me. Well, it is another GI disease that causes diarrhea, vomiting, and oh wait, I'm talking about parvovirus. Uh, I don't mean to make corona feel unimportant, but there are worse things in dogs. For example, parvo. Parvo kills a lot of dogs. So if I see a dog with diarrhea and vomiting, I'm going to test for parvo. If it's parvo negative, maybe it's corona. Maybe it's dietary indiscretion. Maybe the dog is stressed but it's going to live with some rest and supportive therapy. So unless the owner really wants to spend the money, I'm going to treat it and get it better and not care what it was because there are worse diseases out there. There's even a vaccine for canine coronavirus. It's not a core dog vaccine and not an every dog combo vaccine, but it is out there. There are bigger and badder things out there than canine corona. Now some of you have heard how in Hong Kong there are some dogs that have tested positive for the COVID-19 strain, and one even died. Well, as best as I can tell, one died. But it was an old dog. Dogs die every day. This dog happened to be in a household with a positive coronavirus person and very likely was in contact with a high viral load. The dog tested positive but showed no signs of the disease and was found to have no evidence that dog or other pets can be a source of the infection with COVID-19. In general, besides these two dogs, it doesn't survive on pets. Hair is not a good viral transport medium. Your pet may come in contact with COVID-19, but it isn't going to spread it. So don't dump pets. Don't be afraid of pets. Enjoy your pets. You're likely in quarantine, and they are your closest friends right now. They should be. And this is why I'm still open for business as a veterinarian, to protect your closest friends. While I'm wearing protective masks and gloves at the car when we get your sick pet to evaluate, I'm not worried about your pet giving me the COVID. I'm wearing that stuff at the car so you don't give me the COVID. Working with your pet, I have no fear of increased risk of exposure. I'm more concerned about the pen you used, and we disinfect, to sign your check for payment than for your dog. So yeah, an old dog died who was exposed to a high viral load of COVID-19. But remember, life moves on, and things still die from life. Also, IDEX, a large animal laboratory, has tested a thousand dogs and cats, and they are not finding COVID-19 in pets. These Hong Kong cases appear to be the outlier and not a reason to get overly concerned. So you can still play fetch with your dog and not get COVID-19. 
Just remember to stay at least six feet away from other people playing fetch with their dog. Cattle. See, for those of you enjoying the cattle arc, we didn't get too far away. Guess what? There is an intestinal disease in cattle called winter dysentery. It's primarily seen in the winter in dairy cows because they get it when they are exposed to each other's poop. This happens when they are close together for warmth or milking. You see explosive diarrhea in the cows, typically during winter, drop in milk production, depressed cows, and some coughing. This is caused by a bovine coronavirus. About a week before COVID-19 started hitting the news, I diagnosed a beef herd with winter dysentery. In about two to three weeks, the animals will, and in this case, did start getting better on their own. No treatment required other than us ruling out some other diseases we were concerned about. Life goes on. But in this case, the farmer saw the news about two weeks after I'd made the diagnosis. His cattle were getting better, but called. He was concerned about coronavirus in his cattle. I informed him he should probably give all his cows to me for free because I needed some burger from the store and it would save me a step. He laughed and I drove the point home. This is bovine coronavirus. It won't affect people and is self-limiting in cattle. The meat is safe to eat and it's rare cows die from it. It just slows them up for a week or two. So yes, you can still play fetch with your cow. Oh, wait, no, that's not what we do with cows. You can still eat cows, even if they were infected with corona. You probably have eaten cows infected with corona and drank milk from cows infected with bovine coronavirus. You didn't even have to stay six feet away from these animals. So really, social distancing with burgers does not apply. Are you getting the theme here? There's also an equine coronavirus, a rat coronavirus. Looks like they even found coronavirus in elk and dolphins. Coronavirus is around. Coronavirus has been in animals for years, and the focus of coronavirus now is in people. So don't get distracted and worried about your pets right now because this is a coronavirus for people and transmitted by people. There was some information about some tigers at the Bronx Zoo getting a mild case of coronavirus from people. I think we need to let that sit and wait for more data to come in. We're all in this together, guys. This is our disease. We get to deal with it. Animals have their own diseases to be concerned about. So until something changes, let's worry about the disease we know infects animals, like rabies. Remember, rabies isn't going to slow down for coronavirus, because rabies is a mean old virus. Actually, it's a young virus. Listen to the rabies podcast episode for more information about that. So keep vaccinating your animals for rabies and continuing the health care of your pets. So to the next part of our conversation. Let's put corona in perspective. I've talked to a lot of clients about my take on the disease. First off, I'm not an MD. I'm a vet. I work on animals, but they do train us for disease outbreak and how to manage herds, keep disease minimized, and keep it from spreading. So am I saying I'm an expert on human COVID-19? No. But I am going to try to give some perspective about the disease so we can learn how to categorize it in our mind and then how to appropriately deal with it. We don't fear the things we know and understand. First, is it a bad disease? No, not really in the grand scheme. Not now at least. I'd grade it moderate out of mild, moderate, and severe disease. So why do I say that? 
But let's look back through history. What other plagues have we dealt with as humans? Well, bubonic plague. Not always the great mortality we think of in the Middle Ages, because bubonic plague came first for a few subtle cameos before its big act in the Middle Ages. Kind of like Thanos popping up in the credits of the Marvel movies. Some feel the Antonine Plague of Rome may be the first entrance of bubonic plague, though easily could have been a pox virus. Followed by the Justinian Plague, which is more thought of as the bubonic plague. If you want some more in-depth readings, I recommend The Great Mortality by John Kelly, The Fate of Rome by Kyle Harper, and Viruses, Plagues, and History by Michael Oatstone. Why these plagues? Well, marmots. Marmots have plague bacilli, and they gave it to rats. Ecological disturbances caused these rodents to be displaced, and they started hitching rides on human trade routes between China and Rome. And with rats comes fleas. When there are too many fleas, they start biting humans. Then we get Yersinia pestis, the causative agent of plague. And we start dying. Disease is not a simple Chinese virus. Disease comes from eons of events. Geographical, climate, social, evolutionary, genetic, etc., etc. Why did bubonic plague thrive? Humans finally had civilization large groups of people for disease to thrive in. The world slowly changes with forests growing and dying and becoming deserts and deserts becoming forests. But then people start affecting the world. When large groups of people are together, they change the landscape by deforestation and changing water paths like rivers so they can get water where the most people are. They also need more than water so to get supplies from other region, trade occurs. Between natural events and man-made events, bacteria and disease get displaced. Maybe a rat hitching a ride on a trader. And then exposed to things they are not used to dealing with. And then plague strikes. The main event. Like in Infinity War, Thanos makes a grand inevitable entrance, wreaking havoc on the Marvelverse, just like Plague did from 1347 to 1351. Perhaps 200 million people died. The Black Death or Great Mortality was one of the few events in history that caused so much damage that the Earth's population of humans actually declined. Entire towns were wiped out. It spread like wildfire. People denied its existence only to die like everyone else. Families were wiped out of history. False treatments were proclaimed as miracle cures and people rushed to them in vain hope because they did not understand what the disease was. Records were not as good back then, but estimates were as high as 50% of the population of Europe was eliminated. It's as close to a real-life Thanos snap as we have ever come. Except the dead people didn't just turn to ash. They died and rotted in the streets were littered with dead because the undertakers couldn't keep up with burying the bodies and were dying themselves. There were three forms of plague, bubonic, which is what we typically think of, pneumonic, and septicemic. If you were infected with the septicemic form of the plague, you would die within 14 and a half hours from starting to show symptoms. Bubonic plague gave you large swellings, Pneumonic plague, a cough which could spread the disease to other people, and like septicemic plague, 
just killed you. The Black Death was a tragedy that could kill you in 14 and a half hours. No one knew how it was transmitted or what it was, and it killed half of the world. That's bad disease. We didn't understand disease, nor have antibiotics or modern healthcare facilities that could have treated people. Instead, people thought it was a Jewish plot to kill everyone, or God had decided to bring the end of days. That is severe as far as pandemics go. Plague also still exists. Before you get scared, I'm not too worried about it now. We have medicines that can treat it, like antibiotics. And on the veterinary side, we have tons of flea control to keep spread of flea populations down. It took humans 200 years to recover from that plague, so we aren't going to forget it anytime soon. That has given us a healthy fear of plagues and diseases. As someone from a young country, the United States has only been around for 244 years. If the Black Death struck in 1776, we would not have recovered until 1976. That's when my dad graduated from college. There are fail-safes that we could manage this plague much better than we did back in 1347. But there are other diseases. Smallpox is another big viral killer in the 20th century, killing 300 million people. Before this virus was eliminated from the world, it killed about 33% of people infected. This was spread through the air and was identifiable when infected to other people because of infected people having a rash on their body. There are reports of it going far back into human history with Egyptians like Ramses V dying from this disease. So with thousands of years of knowledge, luck that, unlike the Black Death, there's no animal reservoir for smallpox, which means it just infects people, and a lot of hard-working medical professionals allowed us to come up with a vaccine for this virus. Then, because of the infrastructure and amiable political environment created, the entire world was able to gain access to this vaccine, and the virus was eliminated from the earth. But there are still more viruses. Spanish flu. The H1N1 virus spreading around the world in 1918 and infected one-third of the human population. 500 million people at that time. And killed at least 50 million people, or 10% of the people it infected. Mostly killing the young and older with the weaker immune systems. This was before a vaccine was made for the flu much like we don't have yet a vaccine for COVID-19. So a lot of quarantine and hygiene measures were put into effect. While we have vaccines and good medical supportive care, about 49,000 flu-related deaths still occur in the United States. Spanish flu was spread and dangerous because it was a new flu strain humans had not encountered before. And with the First World War was easily spread between humans who were cramped together in foreign places. And we've moved past the Spanish flu. We have overcome all of these diseases. And there are many other hiccups along the way I haven't mentioned. So we are a resilient species. And we are smart. Now we have a better idea how to treat things and how they come about to hurt us. But we still have to be careful. It's that which we don't see or take seriously which will trick us up. It's when we don't pay attention to our world that we get in trouble. 
If you look through history, as human population grows, or any population, and starts affecting certain aspects of the world, the world pushes back to limit growth beyond what the world can handle. Rome pushed civilization forward and made more cities and farms than the world had seen before. When the trees were all removed for these improvements, it allowed water to pool. Pooling water perpetuates mosquito populations to grow, and then diseases like malaria can devastate human populations. We have effects on this world we cannot ignore. The great COVID quarantine is illustrating this. Reports from all over the world are showing how smog levels in cities are dropping. People with respiratory problems are feeling better. Seismologists report at cities they can get better readings because the earth is shaking less. Italian canals have had a chance for sediment to settle and fish to be seen. Perhaps this is a wake-up call that after the great COVID quarantine, we need to rethink how we live our lives so that we can have long-term increases in air quality and water quality. After all, we use both rather frequently, and the cleaner they are, the healthier we will be. And with the quarantine, we are finding new perspective on our lives and what is important. More people are learning to take a break from hectic lives and enjoy their families, friends, and time at home. With my church, we have switched to online services, and I have noticed much more people paying attention to the service than when we were expected to attend Sunday worship. There are many reasons I would encourage people to have a relationship with God and attend a worship service. In actuality, keeping their bodies healthy is not at the top of the list. But maybe it would help out. Maybe we should pay attention to social and religious customs. In the Bible and Leviticus, the Jews had many laws on how to live life. Many of these came from hygienic roots that were laws put in place which kept the Jewish people from getting sick. Sunday is considered the day of rest where people are not supposed to do things. Is that a religious cue that maybe the earth and the human brain needs a day to recuperate after we run around like crazy for six days? I don't have the answers. I just know that this plague of COVID-19 should make us reevaluate our lives. We need to take a look at our entire lives and culture and see what works and does not work. Can more of us have an increased workloads at home in the future? Do we need to reevaluate how we are interacting with the environment? Are we going to church for spiritual reasons or just because it's the thing to do on Sundays? Do some of the habits we do right now not help us in the long run? Is COVID-19 the greatest plague of all time? Oh gosh, no. It will probably be the most documented to date, and we have the knowledge to be aware of the risk it could bring. And more importantly, we have the knowledge to stop it from becoming such a big killer by taking global action. It's bad because it's more infective than Spanish flu and can spread easily over the entire world. But good because we can combat it with proper hygiene. It's bad because most of us can't remember the 1918 flu and widespread death and disease is foreign to us. It's new and scary and our generation hasn't faced something like it. But it's not killing as many people as the Black Death. It's not going to stunt human growth especially if Coronials gains tractions in about nine months. But it's scary because it's dangerous enough that it can kill any of us, and it can overwhelm the health systems we have set in place. Which means that people that shouldn't have to die will die. 
and we live in a civilized time, right? We have beaten disease, right? Sure, if you get hit by a bus, you're going to die. But a virus shouldn't kill us, right? And in most cases, it won't. But for many, it will. And that's what's scary. And that's why we are and should take social distancing and flattening the curve so seriously. Because we don't know who has it and who will get it and can't cope with it. And who will get it and not have a hospital bed when they need it or a ventilator when they need it. And who will spread it because we don't have the proper protective gear. Mainly, we are fighting so there are fewer numbers of people close to us that get the disease and don't have a hospital bed. Yeah, I wish I was altruistic enough to say I was fighting to save people in Italy, but really I'm practicing good social distancing because I don't want to give the disease to my mom and dad. It's that simple. So yeah, it's a moderate disease. We have the science to dull its worst effects, if not on every individual, on society as a whole. Our infrastructure designed to handle what we have seen before, like flu, cannot handle flu cases with an equal or greater amount of COVID-19 cases. Though our infrastructure is overwhelmed, we will be able to flatten the curve with proper social distancing to allow the infrastructure to handle the disease and save lives. To be fair, the Black Death wouldn't be as bad today as it was back then. Disease is complex. COVID-19 is a warm-up for humans. We won't see the bad plague coming. One day, the perfect storm of animals being displaced, new bacteria evolving that are resistant to antibiotics, paving the way for a virus to mutate, and giving us all a chance to meet the real-life Rick Grimes is what we have to start planning for. We have to take this COVID threat seriously to prepare for the next bigger and deadlier pandemic. Training so we are ready. As a vet, I have taken this seriously from very early when I heard of it. And I'm very proud that our Kentucky governor and many in Kentucky are taking it so seriously as well. Hashtag Team Kentucky. I truly believe it is putting life above economy. And to be fair, in the long run, that pays off. Live, healthy people are much better for an economy. Andy Bashir has stepped up as a leader who has the foresight to start preventative actions to flatten the curve so the hospitals in Kentucky are not overwhelmed. He did not deny the disease and then during the crisis remained cool and did not place blame but rather has confronted the problems with actual directives and solutions. Kentucky may not be the population epicenter of the world, but Andy Bashir's actions and Kentuckians stepping up to his call action have saved lives in Kentucky. I don't know whose lives, but I'm glad they are still alive. I'm doing my part in Kentucky, but the world is bigger than just one state. The world is stronger together than apart. The same as the colonies of the United States were stronger together when they had the Revolutionary War. The same as the United States is stronger as 50 combined states than individual states. Each American colony had a unique group of people, but they supported common human ideals and formed one nation, but never lost their individuality. It's the same today. I'm a Kentuckian, but that doesn't mean I'm not an American. And being American doesn't mean I am not a human in the world. I'm proud of where I come from, but I want all humans to grow and get through this. And we will get through this as humans. 
together. Nations will certainly work through this with their own sense of pride, but this disease has shown us how each nation relies on another. I'm proud of where I come from, but I'm also proud that I'm a human. I know America can't make everything in the world all the time. Well, I mean, we might try, but I know that a lot of the protective gear we're getting are from other countries, and I'm grateful they're making it. And I hope we can make things that help those other countries in return. And I think that's how we get through this, as humans, together, helping each other. Nations will certainly work through this with their own sense of pride. But we have to move on and honor the fact that humans all over the world died and came together to prevent people from dying. We can honor those who died and sacrificed by rising above COVID-19. Rising above it is more than making a healthcare system that is better or making a vaccine to prevent this in the future. COVID-19 has reminded us that we are all human. COVID-19 targets everyone, straight, gay, conservative, liberal, black, white, Chinese, Muslim, Christian, Hindu, American, British, Russian, man, woman. We are all human and connected by that humanity. The issues that have divided us did not divide the virus. How do we move forward from this? How do we honor those who died? It's starting to worry about bigger things than division and realizing how connected we are, how we need each other to survive, realizing that the decisions we make affect people, affect the world we live in. We have to start living outside of ourselves and making our actions to benefit other people. We have to start taking care of the world and each other. Sacrificing trivial happiness so in the long term future generations will have better infrastructure, power sources, and a cleaner environment. It's not about beating this virus, because we will, just with our numbers. It's about not letting it pass by without making any changes. It's about learning to be human with each other and that we rely on each other. It's about learning to be better so that when the next great mortality does come, we can face it not as divided peoples and nations, but rather united. Each nation contributing to a greater whole. Some things should bring us together. Disease, environment, the things that link us together. Our greatest weakness is ourselves. And the only way to overcome it is with our greatest strength, ourselves. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Nathan. I hope this information was helpful to you and gives you a little more perspective on the world. If you want to reach out to us, email us at theveterinarypodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to tell your friends about our podcast and check out LickingValleyVet.com for information on blogs, videos, and the complete list of podcasts in our education section.